Welcome to the Hyper Voice. I'm your host, Steven Morioka, and today I'm joined by Alex Underhill. Alola. Alola. And our guest for today and also joining us is Tommy Cooleen. What's up, guys? Welcome, everyone. And we have an exciting show today, continuing on for the Hyper Voice this week. Today, we're going to be talking about some more VGC and Pokemon things. But first off, we have... Something brand new to talk about, and that is, well, not the website necessarily, but Trainer Tower, which we've been referring to several times in the past few weeks, uh, looking at teams and such. They now have added forums to their website, and, you know, this is a great uh, addition to this site uh, in lieu of Nugget Bridge removing theirs or being unable to return to their old-style format. So just, Alex, Tommy... What do you guys think about forums being added to this site and, in a sense, returning to the VGC scene for, uh, you know, a dedicated VGC site? Well, now that we have Sun and Moon out, uh, I think it's, like, one of the key times in our, like, our growth cycle. We have a, a large opportunity to kind of foster, like, a new scene of players. And uh, not having a forums was kind of uh, troubling over the last few months. To see that we finally got it, that we can have a place for a discussion where new players can go to kind of uh, look at stuff and actually get feedback on what they're uh, thinking about. I think that's kind of important, something that we kind of needed for the last few months. I'm happy we finally got it. Yeah, it's going to be great for players to you know you know not only help each other grow in terms of like team building and stuff like that, but they'll also be able to trade, you know, acquire different types of uh, breed rejects and other legendary Pokemon that they uh, maybe soft resetted or they haven't been able to get their hands on yet. So. Just allowing players to help one another out and giving them another forum to do that is uh, just really good for the community. Smogon also has its forums, uh, you know, kind of reviving VGC a little bit over there too. You know, I've checked them out over the last few months. You know, it looks a lot better than it used to years ago uh, after we kind of migrated over to Nugget Bridge. And I guess we've crossed the bridge finally. We've beaten our five trainers, or in this case, you know, roughly five years of coverage and made it to the tower that was across whatever what the bridge was uh, crossing over. So we're at Trainer Tower now for VGC. Um, you know, maybe Nugget Bridge will come back at some point, but it seems like um, it's roughly just about ended its cycle for coverage. You know, hoping it'll come back. You know, it's done a great job over the past few years. And, you know, it's great that Trainer Tower has the homepage feature, which, you know, has those uh, main articles featured on the site, you know, when you get there, you know, when you get to the homepage, right in the front, you also have all the other, uh, you know, sources, resources and sections, you know, the forums added as well. So a lot of great stuff coming out of that site. Um, glad to see it happening. And, you know, just speaking of Nugget Bridge and other things happening on uh, that's forum related is that while Nugget Bridge was down for a while, NPA signups were happening. And uh, first off, so NPA, you know, this is the league and we'll let uh you guys talk about this a little bit more you know it's uh it's heading into its sixth season i believe and you know it's just a uh kind of like a professional sports team league like uh, the nba or nha football uh soccer league in europe i guess where uh managers draft players onto teams and then you guys compete over the course of a few weeks in the season and then determine a champion at the end so uh first off why isn't the name changed away from npa <laughs> you know, that was one of my first thoughts, too. I think maybe they'd kept it for a familiarity, so people know what this, uh, what they're getting into. But I definitely thought it was kind of funny when I saw NPA is now on Trigger Tower, and I was like, well, 
What is the N in NPA for? This is national, right? Yeah, is it national? national? Okay, yeah. so it's not Nugget Bridge? <laughs> no. Okay. That would have been kind of funny, but uh, that at least, you know, allows it to uh, be flexible and transition from site to site. Yeah. <laughs> national Pokemon Association heading into its sixth season for, uh, it's an online, you know, tournament run over the course of several weeks. And Tommy, you're actually one of the managers for the 12 teams this season. Do you want to tell us about your role heading into this as a manager, you know, what you're kind of expecting and why you're excited about this season for NPA? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is actually my fourth season involved in MPA. I was a player for three years and I'm stepping over to managing this year, taking over the expansion team. Our team is called the Mali City Monarchs. So uh, very, very happy about that. Um, managing MPA has been something I've wanted to do since probably around the second season that I was playing. And it's just because, uh, you know, the community aspect, the team aspect of it is something that's really, really cool and, uh, it's something that I got a little bit of a taste of last year when I was with the Stars again. Um, since when I was with the Stars, I was actually, uh, we have a process called uh, retaining. And uh, you're able to uh, uh, retain your players from last year by paying uh, a little bit more money than you paid the year before for them. So uh, I was actually retained by the Stars. with uh, That was uh, Chalky and uh, Ryan Tan. They were always great to me while I was there. So uh Working with them and being able to help with the draft process let me see a little bit more into how, uh, you know, that side of the MPA works. And it was something I found really, really appealing. And, uh, it looks like it's going to be a great season. We got a lot of great managers on board. And, uh, you know, despite the fact that we're not on Nugget Bridge anymore, we were able to kind of work it out, kind of persevere. And, uh, MPA is going to happen. We have a very, very good format that, uh, it's actually kind of different this year since, uh, we normally, play a bunch of the previous old formats but uh with such a uh, a new format like sun and moon uh bg17 uh we're kind of getting away from the old formats and we're kind of just embracing the, the new 17 format so uh everyone's gonna be playing that this year and i think that's a uh interesting change but it should be a good one for this year since uh you know we can really shine on uh, the new players that are going to be coming around in this format especially since we have tournaments all year round this year so it's like we got a large sample size of players throughout the year, and then we got an MPA as well. So, kind of just uh, allows players to kind of flourish throughout the season and have uh, tournaments and online tournaments at all stages along. You know, you mentioned that uh, the only format being played this year will be VGC 2017, and that is different than what we've seen in years past. And I think it's going to be really cool this year to be playing only VGC 17, just because as a team, everyone's going to be able to work together to help each other for their uh, coming up matches for the next week. And you're going to be able to bounce ideas off each other, test against everyone else because everyone's going to be playing the same format. And so it really will help, I think, bring teams together and it's going to help create like really cool, like helpful communities, at least hopefully for the teams that just find a lot of synergy. I'm sure that's what you're going to be looking for is finding a lot of players that are willing to work together and kind of help each other improve, which is one of the, I think, coolest parts about MPA. Yeah, looking at uh, previous managers that have had success is actually something that I've, I've done since I am such a new, new manager myself. And uh, you look at teams like uh, the Brave Birds, headed by uh, Gavin Michaels, and then the uh, Holy Spirits, headed by Wolf Glick. And those two teams are very, very notorious for having their very big, boisterous community they have there, the little tight-knit communities. And uh, they generally turn out uh, like very, very good results and... Uh, 
relatively good live tournament results as well, since uh, they do still, still seem to work together, uh, even when MPA season isn't in full swing. So uh, just having that sense of community that they're able to kind of build upon, even through uh, out the MPA offseason as well, I think is really, really cool and really, really key to uh, kind of having success. Nice. So I guess the offseason of NPA can sometimes fall during the actual season for VGC, but um, in terms of your... In terms of the old retro formats that, you know, we used to play in uh, some of the previous NPA seasons, you know, those were nice for some of the players to kind of relive the older formats, but it was kind of difficult for any newer players who got uh, drafted onto these teams who really didn't know much about these older formats and would never get a re- never really get a chance to play in them, even in uh, NPA where you would get a chance to play in these old formats for uh, part of those slots each week. And while it's nice to enjoy that as an older player and, you know, for some of the more experienced players who have played in those old formats, uh, it's good for the spectators. And, you know, I kind of like seeing how all the slots are VGC 17 um, for team building aspects and just, uh, you know, sometimes it can be difficult to manage your players you want to play in some of the older formats. And I guess the other thing is, Tommy, what is your team's name and did you come up with it? Oh uh, yeah, uh, as I mentioned, we're the Mali City Monarchs, and uh, it, it is something I came up with. Uh, we were bouncing off a bunch of uh, names uh, with uh, my assistant manager, that's uh, Jake Muller. So uh, we, we we bounced off a bunch of names, some of them very, very corny, some of them not safe for this podcast, but uh, <laughs> uh, we, we settled on a pretty fun one. Our, our mascot's actually going to be uh, Celestilo, who's actually found in Mali City, so that kind of just plays into it and makes it pretty fun. Is Celestilo considered a monarch? Uh, we, we consider Celestial a queen, so Celestial looks like okay. a queen to me. <laughs> Alright, that sounds good. Oh, it's a queen. I thought it was, I thought you were talking about, like, the, uh, you know, a butterfly related I was thing? thinking of a butterfly, too. <laughs> oh, no, 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 like, uh, like, modern. No, I get like, it. Yeah, I yeah, get yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there was that one team, uh, I think it was a year or two ago, and, uh, we had the rollouts, and then we had the rollers. Yeah. <laughs> and their logo was, like, a Hydreigon, so I really just didn't follow that. They picked a very similar team name to another you know, a team that had been around in NPA for a lot longer, and it was just really confusing back then. I remember that being pretty funny at the time. But NPA, Tommy Colleen is managing the Mali City Monarchs. I think I I did ask you, you know, what was your team that you mentioned it earlier, so uh, sorry about that. That's oh, uh, <laughs> my mistake. Like, I'm just not paying attention at all. Um, I guess the other thing is NPA signups are happening. There's a only a limited time to do this. Uh, be sure to, you know, go make an account on Trader Tower, sign up, you know, do whatever they're asking you to do for the sign up. I haven't looked at that yet. Maybe you'll get drafted onto one of these amazing teams and you'll get to play, um, play and work with some of these great players on the, in the national, in, in the National Pokemon Association. So guys, be sure to go register for that. Hopefully you'll get drafted to play in this. If not, um, use it as a learning opportunity. I'm sure a lot of these matches are going to be streamed. Or, uh, broadcast in some form. Either, you know, videos will be saved for future, um, for the ability to view them in the future. But, uh, Tommy, good luck with the season and we'll see how things turn out for the rest of, uh, NPA this season. Yeah, it should be fun. But, moving on, we've had other things happen over this past week. And that, uh, one of the bigger ones is Pokemon Bank being released. So, with Bank being released this 
opened a lot. Uh, this opened a whole slew of new things, um, including some of the regular forms of the Alolan versions returning to uh, access in the game, so, and basically every other Pokemon not in the Alola Pokedex that you can transfer over from Pokemon Bank. You can also transfer over stuff from Red, Blue, and Yellow to get some of those hidden abilities from the original 151 Pokemon. And uh, another thing is a lot of Pokemon currently in the format gained some new egg moves that they just didn't have access to because no one could actually learn them in the Pokedex or uh, through Island Scanner. So, guys, what do you make of some of these changes and just in general, uh, Pokemon Bank finally being released, you know, providing us with some help here. I was really excited with the uh, release of Pokemon Bank. Obviously, we had all been waiting uh, and anticipating it for a very long time. And it, was, it felt like that last time, you know, back with uh, X and Y, uh, with just everybody waiting for uh, Pokemon Bank so that they can move their uh, old Pokemon forward. You know, a lot of people, uh, as the games come out, want to, you know, keep uh, their, I guess, posse of Pokemon on their most recent games. And so... Uh, it's really nice to have that. It's going to allow um, breeders also uh, to like move forward dittos and other Pokemon that were just with good amounts of high IVs. So uh, I think that's a really awesome aspect of it. Uh, the introduction of new egg moves is a whole topic on its own. And uh, I can't wait to discuss some of the uh, very relevant ones that we're going to be seeing uh, now in VGC. Uh, I've already started like playing with some of them, and it's really cool uh, to kind of have this mid-season slight little mix-up it didn't change a whole lot it's not groundbreaking but uh having this uh having it you know increase the potential of some pokemon uh is just a really cool thing to see in the middle of the season yeah um there's a few really really cool things that we're going to be getting with bank that i'm really looking forward to uh the three that just come to mind re right away um fake out salazzle is the one that everyone's talking about since uh you know fake out such a uh a very crucial move in uh, you know, prior VGC formats, and uh, a little bit less this year just because there's a uh, lack of distribution for it. I mean, we have things like Persian and Hariyama that uh, have seen use so far in the season. Uh, more more Hariyama than Persian, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Har Hariyama and uh, a few things like that have seen fake out play, but not a lot of good things have it. But, uh, you know, with uh, Salazzle's uh, typing, I think that should definitely see at least a little bit of play. I think that uh, the typing and the stabs are very, very important, especially with the speed stab in this format. Within a format dominated by Tapus, uh, you can kind of just uh, have a nice fire and poison coverage on your team with fake-out support that give it a little bit of extra. And its move pool is uh, very, very good besides just having fake-out in the stabs, as taunt to Encore, that kind of stuff. So uh, uh, just another reason to run it now. Uh, Hariyama got Helping Hand, which I think is very, very cool as well. Um, I don't know how much uh, use it will see, but it is definitely a very appealing uh, option. I know people have started to run things like uh, Helping Hand on Arcanine, and uh, in a year without tutors, Helping Hand doesn't have the best distribution, but uh, the few things that do get it, we'll see play at least a little bit, and uh, it, it's always been such a good move in VGC, and I, th I think that um, the fact that Hariyama does get it is really cool. The last one that is actually kind of something pretty uh, weird it's uh, Power Split Araquanid, uh, which gets it from Shuckle. And uh, with Araquanids, like really, really low attack and special attack stats. It's actually able to just get boosts based off of uh, what you're power splitting. And uh, kind of 
lower the special attack of anything that any special attackers you target down with it, and uh, even some of the physical attackers that just invest a lot into their uh, attack stats. Uh, the dream scenario is power splitting a Kartana, and then having the Kartana's damage output get completely floored while your Araquanid goes sky high and still hits really, really, really hard with that water bubble. So, uh, there's just a bunch of really, really cool things that I'm looking forward to. And, uh, unfortunately, we can't use the new Alola forms, uh, or the previous versions of the new Alola forms, like the fire type nine tails. But, uh, I, I think it's kind of better that way. I, in my opinion, at least, I think that, uh, having the focus on the new mons is pretty cool. And, uh, most of the old ones, uh, aren't really that useful. The only one that, in my opinion, that would have been really that useful would probably be uh, having the option to run ground-type Marowak, but uh, even then, uh, I still think that I like having uh, those older Kanto mons that uh, got the Alola forms to just have the new ones in-game. I agree that uh, it's nice to have the love for the new Alolan forms. I think that, uh, like you said, there are only a couple of them that would end up, you know, sticking out in this format. And so it's really nice to keep an emphasis on these new Pokemon. And it's really cool that, you know, we see so many of them in VGC play. Like we see Ninetales a lot and Muk and Marowak and Raichu. So uh, it's, I would like it to stay that way. Uh, I do, like, I know a lot of people do miss their Drought Ninetales or their Lightning Rod Raichus, but, um, Having these new ones is just, uh, it's really cool considering, uh, we are playing these new games, Sun and Moon, and I enjoy seeing the newer Pokemon that were introduced this generation. Uh, another egg move, uh, I do like enjoy all the ones that you mentioned, uh, but another egg move that I think will be somewhat relevant is, uh, Heal Pulse on the likes of Clefairy and Clefable. Uh, that will probably be seen on some of the setup teams, whether the Clefairy's helping set up a Porygon Z or an Eevee or a Snorlax. It's really nice to have a Pokemon that is, you know, supporting your Pokemon through Follow Me, but now is also able to heal it for 50%. We saw, uh, some Tapu Finis having success with that and using it on a, uh, bulky Pokemon like Clefable or Clefairy that are, you know, helping Pokemon set up, you know, allowing them to stand around, uh, longer, uh, on those setup teams can be really crucial. Yes, a lot of interesting egg moves coming out from Pokemon Bank being released. Uh, you guys mentioned most of the other significant ones here, I think. You know, Aerodactyl now has access to Unnerve, which is nice. You know, other than Beware, and I don't know if anything else gets it, but, you know, Aerodactyl's significant enough to where it has a more useful ability than either Rockhead or Pressure. So, that's nice, and, you know, just seeing the use of all the, the increased use of berries now, and especially with Muck being, you know, very prominent in this format. Uh, no, it's nice to have that ability. Uh, I think you guys covered most of the major egg moves here. The other thing is like, you mentioned, uh, a little, sorry, the Lightning Rod Raichu, when that's the, you know, original Kanto version. And just in these games, they don't even exist because Pikachu, when you evolve away the Thunderstone, turns into the Lolan Raichu. The only way to get the original Raichu is through Bank. So, in terms of having a Black Clover Lightning Rod Raichu, it's just not even, you know, technically possible right at the moment. So, I don't know if that means for the future, but uh, maybe they'll get a patch or something, who knows. But, um, Bank's been great so far. Obviously, great access for everyone just to have all their old stuff coming across uh, through time. That's always a great thing to see. And... I kind of wish we could have had the Fire-type Ninetales with Drought, you know, just to give us another option other than Torkoal. There would be different options there to run, you know, and I'm not saying it's 
would necessarily be good or have any significant impact that early, but I would have liked to have the option just to tinker with, but I guess, you know, we'll be fine with the Alolan versions and have to deal with what they're going to bring us. I suppose with the other things that uh, were also released recently, so other than Bank, you know, great resource. Uh, speaking of another great resource, our Battlespot usage, usage statistics. And, you know, these are akin to things we've had in previous years on the Pokemon Global Link website. And usually what they would show us is, you know, on the Battlespot ladder, you have usage stats for, you know, stuff like Pokemon use, their partners, uh, who they defeated, what moves, items they, they're using. And now we have finally have them for the first season of, uh, you know, just Battlespot. And we have our own VGC ladder so we can see these. Very nicely, and uh, well, Global Link is cur currently down right now, but we have uh, some form of access to them. So, do you guys want to talk about what we can see, or what we do know? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that as we see on uh, Alex's lovely uh, screen here, he gives us that the Arcanine is number one in usage, and I, I think that's something that's very, very telling. And I think to completely understand that, you have to go back to VGC 14 and look the last time we had the regional decks format. And uh, yeah, one of these the big problems, the regional decks formats, or the quote-unquote problems, is that we never have good fire types. And the fact that we have Arcanine this year and how, like, uh, how much better it is than most of the other fire types in the format is very, very telling. Um, in VGC 14, our... Like, one of our best defense... Our best defensive fire type was really Rotom Heat. And, uh... Rotom Heat was a, a good fire type, but in, in the same vein, it, it really wasn't uh, terribly, terribly bulky. It had Will-O-Wisp. It can be very, very bulky, but, uh... Not having a Pokemon like Heatran in the format is, like... It, it, it makes you appreciate having the, the, the bulkier fire types even more. And, uh... I, I think Arcanine being the premier bulky fire type this year is, uh... Very, very important, especially with things like Kartana and Celesteel doing as well as they've been doing so far this season. That and the lack of good Intimidate. Uh, we have, besides Arcanine, the, the two best Intimidators in the format are probably Salamence and Gyarados. And uh, Gyarados hasn't seen much usage since after the first week or two of the season. Uh, probably because Tapu Koko has been as dominant as, as it's been. And then uh, Salamence actually uh, like plummeted in usage as soon as Tapu Fini started to gain popularity, uh, since, uh, you know, Mission Terrain kind of, uh, eliminates most of the damage output Salamis can do anyways, so, uh, having on a team is more of a risk right now, so, uh, Ar Arcanine filling multiple roles for most of these teams, the Intimidate slot, the Fire slot, uh, it has so many tools, too, you can run Offensive Arcanine, you can run Defensive Arcanine with, like, Snarl and Will-O-Wisp, uh, there's so many ways you can run it, you can run a Choice Band if you want an off Offensive, you can run, uh, Ethereum Z, uh, there's so many things it can do, and it's uh, so versatile and fills so many roles. So I'm not, I'm not surprised to see Arcanine number one, but I think it's very, very telling of where we are in the format right now. You know, when I saw Arcanine number one, I remember earlier, like that day or something, or maybe earlier in the week, I was thinking like I had seen Arcanine on a team with a, like I remember my Porygon Z team, uh, which I had built back in uh, December. I had Arcanine on it, and I was like, I knew like Arcanine, Tabu Coco, 
and like Porygon Z was a good combination. I saw somebody else using it, and then I was like, well, you know, maybe that's because Tapu Koko's the number three Pokemon in the format, and Arcanine's number one. And I was like, maybe I'm not as like smart as I think I am. Maybe I'm just using very popular Pokemon. Uh, and it seems to be something that a lot of people have figured out, like you mentioned. Uh, Arcanine just being kind of a staple on any team, it's just really, really strong. And uh, I remember joking with uh, a couple of you guys the other day, Tommy, about how uh, Garchomp, uh, like if you look at the number one and number two Pokemon, Arcanine being number one and then Garchomp number two, if you take a Garchomp, it can technically beat both with uh, Earthquake and a Dragon move. And then <laughs> and then your Garchomp is uh, weak to ice types. And, you know, what is what beats the ice types? Arcanine. So then you just add an Arcanine and there you go. You're uh, you're set for the format. Garchomp beating everything else and Arcanine beating those ice types that scare off Garchomp. So, um, you know, and then after that, you just add another Garchomp. And then add another Arcanine, and you're pretty much set for there. You don't really need to bring any other Pokemon. It could probably just be a four Pokemon team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah certainly staples in the format. Uh, you know, obvious synergy between the two of them together. And, you know, bringing it back to VGC 14, you know, like a good fire type, this is a good point there. You know, I can think of maybe Charizard Y and Talonflame were the other ones, and they weren't that bulky or defensive at all either so we're kind of in a rough spot now um so no surprise arcanine is as popular as it is because we need we need that typing for all the powerful fairies you know running around and you know intimidate support and i like how it can run but be both physical and special or be supportive so it's very diverse and can do a lot of things and figuring that out during a match can also be you know, a pain in the butt to do because you, uh, it's some sometimes it might be too late. Uh, I also think it's really interesting to note uh, one thing is uh, Porygon 2, which was a Pokemon very common earlier in the format. We'd seen it doing very well in all of the uh, top cuts of the major events like regionals and internationals. Uh, is sitting at 8th place right now, and I think that's uh, honestly kind of low for it. Uh, all the Pokemon above it are Pokemon that you expect to see and that are very popular, but... You know, Porygon 2 being a really, really bulky Pokemon that can either set up or reverse Trick Room uh, with, you know, like a lot of coverage moves. I'm just surprised to see that it's uh, in 8th place. I, I expected it to be higher just based on tournament results. Yeah, uh, Porygon 2 being as low as it is actually kind of uh, surprising. Uh, specifically because it's lower than both Tapu Fini and Tapu Lele, which is something that surprises me a little bit. Uh, only because you'd expect that... Uh, the amount of Tapu Fini and Tapu Lele and Tapu Koko would probably take away from each other, since, uh, uh, unless you're seeing those Whimsicott Nature Power teams, you're seeing one, maybe two, uh, Tapus on a team. So to see something like Porygon 2, which can pretty much fit on most teams in the format, uh, fall below something that does have a bit of a divided usage is kind of, uh, shocking. Uh, in the other way, though, uh, a mod that I think is a lot higher than I expected it to be is probably Neolego. Um, Neolego is a extremely good Pokemon, in my opinion, but hasn't had the, uh, the tournament success that we've really been hoping for. It finally got that, uh, that very deep, uh, run in top cut of Dallas. Uh, I believe it's done, uh, decently well since then. Uh, it had a good run, uh, Athens too, with, uh, uh, e. McLaughlin running it, uh, to, I believe, top four. So, uh, like, it's been picking up a little bit of usage on the, uh, the large-scale tournament scene, but, uh, it's actually all the way up there in 11th, uh, even above things like Snorlax and Pelipper, which were uh, big, like, 
uh, Mons earlier on in the season. So uh, e- even above Araquinid, that that's absolutely shocking to me. So uh, that's something very very cool. And then uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on was kind of the distribution of how we're seeing Tapus right now, and uh, we like I think Tapu Coco is clearly in first place for a very obvious reason, and that's because Tapu Coco is probably the easiest to use of the four Tapus. Um, The electric coverage in the format is not something we generally have, but in the same vein, it's not something we have in the water type, the psychic type, or the grass type either, Uh, which is part of the reason why I think (laughs) Feeny has been as good as it's been since... uh, we don't, we don't have a lot of bulky waters in this format. You look at the water types in this format. We have Pelipper, we have Araquan, and we have Gyarados. Araquan, it can be kind of bulky on the special side, but on the physical side, it's really just lacking. So um, you look at all of those, and we don't really have that stable bulky water type. So Feeny kind of fills that role, and that is probably why I think it's so high. Obviously, Gastrodon's probably the next best one, but Gastrodon is the problem of kind of sitting on the field that uh, some of the bulky waters sometimes fall into. Um, otherwise... Uh, Tapu Lele is always going to be up there, but probably never going to be the most used because of the damage out. Like, the damage output is significant, but the bulk isn't there as well. So I think something's always going to be, like, floating up there in, like, high usage, but never, like, truly towards the top top because it does have a very noticeable flaw in that that lack of bulk. But uh, the damage output is also, like, too uh, high to ignore. It's, you know, 130 plus... Psychic Terrain, plus most of them run a boosting item, whether it be Life Orb or uh, a Z-Move. So, uh, a lot of uh, interesting distribution of the Tapus, and then poor Bulu down at, I think it was 24, which is sad. But, uh, I mean, it, it's very clear why. Uh, one of the core, like, archetypes in the format right now is uh, a core called AFK, Arcanine Fiend, Garchomp. Uh, Arcanine Feeny, uh, Cartana. Gar- <laughs> How Gar- do you spell Garchomp? <laughs> you know what? Garchomp's always on that core anyways. It's Arcanine Feeny, Gar- it's Arcanine Feeny, Cartana, then the Garchomp. But, yeah. uh, you look at that core and you say, oh, well, yeah, Feeny Rosen uses so much, so why aren't we using Tapu Bulu? Well, it's because, well, the Cartana beats the Bulu, the, the Arcanine beats the Bulu, a lot of the Feeny teams uh, will not be running Dragon Claw on that Garchomp because, you know, Dragon Claw is reduced in Misty Terrain. So what are they running in that slot? Either Poison Jab or Fire Fang. So, again, if it's Poison fa- uh, poison Jab, there goes Bulu again. So, uh, uh, Bulu has a lot going against it right now, but I still think it's something that has a lot of potential depending on where the kind of, like, top usage of Mon goes. Yeah, we saw a huge fall off in Tapu Bulu just because uh, it's the Tapu with, I believe, the most weaknesses, and so that's really going to hold its back. Especially when you mentioned so many of the popular Pokemon give it such a hard time. You know, and uh, I think the one thing that I wanted to mention uh, is that you know Garchomp is number two in usage, and then you get down to uh, ninth where Celesteela is, and thirteenth where Pelipper is, and those are like the only two other two. Uh, flying type Pokemon in the top, like, there's only, I think, four total? No, five. Like, five total flying type Pokemon uh, that are in the top 30 is uh, what we can see down to here on the Battle Slot website. And 
you know, there's just not a lot of earthquake synergy. I guess you can earthquake next to Orin Guru. You can earthquake next to wide guard users like uh, Rockwinit or Gigalith. But uh, we see Garchomp on a huge number of teams, and Garchomp is really used for its ability to do a lot of damage with Earthquake. Uh, obviously, this year it's a little bit different with the introduction of Z-moves and Tectonic Rage being just such an awesome move to have, a single-target ground move doing so much damage and just being so useful. Uh, but yeah, Garchomp, just not having as many partners to spam Earthquake next to, I think is just kind of interesting considering its usage. I mean, that's part of it, too, is having access to that single-target ground move, so you don't need the partners, and I guess there's also a lack of good ones, too, which makes another issue. What do you guys make of the lack of redirection among these top 25 Pokemon? Other than, you know, lack of distribution, we're not seeing much redirection being played uh, in this format. You know, can you think of can you think of why that is? Uh, I think it's... Uh... Two very clear reasons. Uh, the best two redirectors in the format are probably uh, Clefable Clefairy and then Smeargle. Those are the two that are probably going to be the most used if we do see it this year. Um, the problem with Smeargle is it's usually uh, something that has two roles. It's to put things to sleep and to redirect. And with the amount of Tapu Koko that have been running around right now, it, and Tapu Fini for that matter, uh, it kind of loses the... Uh, the job that it has in putting things to sleep when it can't just redirect, because then you can kind of just, like, fire off attacks into the not-smeargle slot, and, yeah, it'll probably follow me, but, like, you can't really get punished if he does, like, follow me, or if he does protect them on it does something with smeargle, because uh, the smeargle's really not doing as much if it can't put things to sleep. Um, and the other vein with uh, Clefairy Clefable, because the... Tapus are all fairy types, and they're all very, very prevalent in the format. There is a lot of steel, there is a lot of poison running around. We see Cartano, we see Celesteela, we see Muck, we see Metagross creeping into top 15 there. So, like, all these things are already going to be hitting Tapus, and if you're you're either going to be, like, uh, doubling up on uh, a fairy type, which means you're doubling up on that weakness there, or uh, you're running no Tapu on your team, and you still have the redirection, but uh, it really changes how, to have you, how you have to build the team, since terrain is something that is not necessary. We've seen a lot of the hard trick room teams function without it, but uh, still a very uh, important part of the format. I think it's funny, just uh, you mentioning earlier in the podcast the uh, Whimsicott team, and then you mentioned now again, you know, stacking up on fairies. Uh, I think it's kind of worth talking about that team that we've seen kind of spike in popularity re- recently. I believe it's only had because we haven't had any major tournaments that I know of here in America. And then uh, I don't know however how the rest of the world is doing on major tournaments, but uh, in Japan we saw this team, I believe, take some kind of tournament. And uh, it's a team with Whimsicott, Tapu Bulu, Tapu Koko, and Tapu Fini. And then the final two were Arcanine and Metagross. And uh, four fairy types on the same team, and it somehow managed to work, uh, all because of one gimmick. Do you want to kind of explain what it is, Tommy? <laughs> Yeah, so the Whimsicott has a very unique move in uh, Nature Power that uh, changes the the move depending on what the terrain is. So if it's Electric Terrain, it's Thunderbolt. If it is Grassy Terrain, it's Energy Ball. If it's Misty Terrain, it's Moonblast. And if it is Psychic Terrain, it's Psychic. So uh, I believe most of them have been running the Z move, is that correct? 
Yep. Yes. That's what I typically see. So they've been running the Z nature power, which turns into the Z move of the corresponding type. So, you know, Gigavolt Havoc, Shattered Psyche. And of course, in the respective terrains that they're activating in, they're getting the boost from those and getting the massive amounts of damage. So if you played a little bit of 2016, imagine having HP water, but it's four types and it's hitting for every sort of damage and they can just have their whimsicott on the field and they can switch into whatever tapu will hit you super effectively, whether it be, so you have a Celesteel on your field, so you have, you're sitting there, you have Tapu Lele and you have Whimsicott on the field and there's a Celesteela and it's like, oh, the Celesteela is super safe. There's two fairies on the field. They can't touch it. Then all of a sudden the Tapu Lele switches out into Tapu Coco and the Whimsicott Z nature powers and Gigavolt Havocs or Celesteela. And you're just sitting there in awe as you try and like <laughs> understand what just happened. It, it, it's a very unique team since it does have such a noticeable flaw, but uh, the gimmick is one that's very, very important. And I think the main reason why is because it is so versatile. There is uh, three, I guess four, if you want to count Brignick Blitz, if uh, three, like four potential Z moves that you can just bust out and do massive amounts of damage with. Yeah, and it's really cool how Zwimzakon uh, kind of makes use of all uh, the three Tapu's terrains on that team very well. Because if it's using Misty Terrain for a, uh, what is it, a Twinkle Tackle. Uh, that is, it gets the same type of attack bonus as well as Bloom Doom next to Tapu Bulu. And then, uh, Celesteela, like you mentioned, is a problematic Pokemon for four fairy types on a team. However, having the Gigavolt Havoc from the, uh, Nature Power is just a really cool part of it. And it does get the terrain boost. All of these, uh, moves do get the terrain boost. And, uh, the reason that you don't see Tapu Lele on the team is because uh, Tapu Lele does block Nature Power from going off, and so it would be kind of counterintuitive for the team. Um, you won't ever really see Shattered Psyche come out of the uh, Whimsicott, unless, of course, it's targeting a Flying-type Pokemon because flying t- or Levitating because they are not protected by the Psychic Terrain's uh, priority blocking ability. Uh, however... They do have three terrains, so it's pretty easy for that team to keep the terrain in their favor and kind of in control and kind of annoy Tapu Lele. So uh, I just think it's a really funny team in general. I know that it's like Choice Band, uh, Arcanine, and then Metagross might have also had like Agility, Tectonic Rage, or I've seen a lot of different Metagross on that team, but uh, it's a very fun one to watch, and uh, I'm wondering if it'll catch on at any big tournaments. Sure sounds really fun. Hoping to, you know, just see more of these things pop up. Just uh, things that keep the format fresh, keep it fun to watch, and, you know, could possibly develop into something uh, more meaningful, more serious as a team. But again, Battlespot has, uh, more specifically, Pokemon Global Link has more useful stats on there for you guys to look at, um, as long as there isn't maintenance going on. But they have moves, stats, all kinds of different things you can look at. And it'll be interesting to see uh, the changes that come in the next few months, you know, compared to, you know, where we are now, if anything will change, really. And just the sheer number of people playing on the ladder and just the stats they provide for us, you know, it does tell you a lot about how things are trending and, you know, kind of things to look out for, how to prepare your team. So a great resource for everyone to use and, uh, you know, keep training on Battlespot Showdown. Keep working on yourself to get better in this format. 
you know, the reason that we're having this podcast on Monday is probably because uh, maintenance is happening. And I know that whenever maintenance is happening, Stephen tries to get stuff done because otherwise he's practicing, practicing, practicing. And I got to keep Stephen away from practicing because this weekend we'll both be competing against one another at a midseason showdown. And I want him at least (laughs) I don't want him to be a threat to me. I'm going to end up taking him down. I know that for sure. Uh, I think I'm actually Stephen. What's our record in the past couple of matches? I feel oh, like in, gosh, uh, I have no idea. In twenty sixteen, no I kept taking you down with my uh, silly X Y team. We played a lot recently, so I don't remember. Like over the last year, we played a lot. I uh, also, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I don't think I've played you in twenty seventeen, but I also I don't think I've been to a twenty seventeen event with you. So this will be the first time that Stephen and I will be at the same tournament for the 2017 format i believe uh am i correct in saying right that, or will i or will i <laughs> or will you <laughs> i guess you don't have to show up but it, uh i'm suspecting that steven will be there considering this is the first mid-season for the uh, chicago area and uh another thing that i wanted to mention that i also think is kind of funny is uh steven never ends up winning the tournaments that i go to so uh I might just be his bad luck charm because Steven did end up winning a PC this past weekend that I was considering going, but I didn't end up going. And because I didn't end up going, Steven won. So uh, I'd like to take a little bit of the credit. But how was it, Steven? Uh, I did want to ask you about your uh, weekend at the uh, Premier Challenge. Um, how did it go? To be completely honest with you, uh, uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like, it's a Premier Challenge win. Like, all right, cool. <laughs> No, it's fun though. Just I wanted to hear about it, just because uh, this is, uh, I believe, oh, it's your second tournament, right, for the 2017 format. Uh, I don't know. I don't know my count though, but uh, you know, small pool of players, but you know, things. Uh, uh, I had a really funky team. It was a kind of a throwback to Hui Ha's Hail Mode team from uh, 2012 World. So if any of you guys are familiar with that, then you may understand how the team works. Um. But yeah, uh, I'm not going to make a big deal about uh, winning a Premier <laughs> Challenge. Like, that's not anything major to talk about. But uh, if you want to know the team, it was uh, Tepu Koko, Starmie, Feramosa, oh, Ninetales, uh, Gastrodon, and Incineroar. You know, speaking of, uh, you know, you didn't end up winning too much CP from that. But uh, we do know someone who does have a lot of CP, someone who is very high up in the leaderboards, and that's something that we did want to talk about here in the podcast. Who is, could that be? Yeah, I don't really know. Um, I'll see if I can get him on the call. Um, but yeah, uh, Tommy Kuleen used to be number one in the CP uh, standings until uh, maybe this past weekend. I'm not sure. It was last weekend. <laughs> it was last weekend, but... Uh, so just just too soon, we should have gotten him maybe a couple of days ago. But you know, Tommy's still number one in our hearts. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, Tommy, uh, I wanted to talk to you just about kind of like your success over this whole season. Uh, like, how did you end up where you are now? Um, I went to London. And I got really really lucky on resistance. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's that simple. All right, I guess the story's over. Yeah, I... no, no, come on, go further, go further. All right, all right. I guess the I guess the main thing uh, we should probably point out here is you've crossed five hundred, you've qualified for worlds. How do you feel about that? Uh, it's good right now. I I mean, I was in day two of uh, London Internet, and at that point, I I knew that I had a lot of CP at that point, and that. I'd get my Worlds invite eventually throughout the season, since I've always done uh, pretty well at regionals, uh, even though 
Uh, this year has actually been really, really bad for me for regionals. I've, I've gone, uh, 6-3 at the last two regionals I attended. I bubbled out of the two regions I played earlier in the season. So, uh, I'm getting championship points from all these regionals, which is definitely a positive, but, uh, getting a little bit unfortunate on the bubble there, but then I profited from the bubble in, uh, London. So, uh, uh, that that was very very fortunate. Uh, the reason why I, I got so lucky in London is because uh, on day two, uh, this is actually a pretty funny story. <laughs> Round one of day two, I sit down and uh, obviously there was the whole team sheet errors in uh, London, and one of my opponent, my opponent for round one there, uh, was actually somebody with a team sheet error. He was the one that wrote protect twice on a Celestia, I believe, and lost a Celestia. So, my opponent had five mons and a game one loss. So, I'm sitting down, I'm like, oh, great, I just have to win one game. It's just a Japanese player. What's the worst that could happen? Oh, man. There was, oh, there's so many bad things that could happen. <laughs> I, I, game, game one, he is, I'm like, oh, yeah. I, I was just like, set of trick room. He sky drops my P2 and swords dances and then tectonic rages it on the way down. I'm like, okay, that's, that's, that's game one. Move to game two. This is fine. Leave my Tapu Bulu. I see the words Tapu Koko use hidden power, and my Bulu's health just start to plummet. I'm like, no. Wow. So uh, <laughs> that 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 was how I lost round one of day two, and I got very very lucky because I I won my last four, and those were all very very good matches, very close matches. But uh, all my opponents also had very very good days and won most of their matches for the rest of the day. And I didn't make it into the seventh seed and played uh, my Kelly Gavelli and. Uh, uh, in top eight, and uh, he had a very good matchup, but uh, he also played extremely well. So, uh, London was my big event this year. I- I've done decent, but not great at regionals this year, and that's been enough to get me over the hump. And uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's where I am right now. I'm at five fifty four. Ian's at five fifty seven. I'm coming for you. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it- it's been a good season so far. But uh, I definitely have a lot I want to work on, and I am gonna try for. Uh, the day two invite, which is very, very important, which is what, this is what I was getting to at London. Um, th- I knew I was going to get my invite at that point. So, uh, from there on, from that point in London, I kind of realized that I had to start taking things more seriously and focus on maybe going for my day two invite since, uh, around nine of day one, when I was already guaranteed into day two, I kind of took it easy and kind of gave away a win that I, I probably should have been playing harder to get. So, Having that moment at London in day two is kind of like awakening for me and trying to like uh, maybe push towards a day two invite. But uh, I haven't do I haven't been doing too much to help myself so far. But uh, you know we still have at least one more internets in uh, the U.S. Hopefully uh, somewhere in the Midwest. But uh, I'll probably go to that one and then uh, we'll see what else happens. I don't expect to go to any more internets. I We'll probably end up going to maybe a regional or two more, but that's about it. And uh, we'll see if that's enough to take me into a day two range. I know a good finish at U.S. International should uh, definitely net me a day two invite. So that's that's the goal right now. If I, I can definitely lock it up there if uh, the rest of the season doesn't go too well. There has been a lot of talk lately about uh, when we're going to get uh, in, if we're going to get more stipend information uh because they, there, I believe there is text. Uh, I since considering your standing, I'm sure that you might know a bit more than I do. But uh, I just wanted to ask you if you were to get a uh, stipend of some sort to go to like the Melbourne International, which is uh, the next one coming up. Would you end up going? If I got the the 
pay a trip to go to Melbourne, I like I absolutely go. There's no question about that. Uh, like I did say though, I I right now I'm not expecting to go to any more internationals for the rest of the season because right now I'm not too hopeful that we're gonna get those uh stipends. Even though, like you said, there is uh wording that would suggest otherwise. So uh, I'm kind of just playing it by ear right now. And if I do get to go to Australia, um, I definitely will uh, take up that opportunity. I know I know you know that. Uh, I have so many friends in Australia that I just want to like, get the chance to meet. So uh, that would actually be the main reason why I'd want to go to Australia. But uh, if that opportunity arises, there's there's no chance I'd turn it down. I think either way, being in uh, second place in the standings for the North American rating zone is always a good place to be. So one of the other things I kind of want to point out here is, you know, if you take a look at the standings currently in, uh, you know, it's January 30th, uh, January 31st in some other places uh, in the world. but you know, just looking at current standings, in in total for the Masters division, you know, not counting the Worlds qualified, who qualified back in 2016 from Worlds, we only have eight people qualified through CP at the moment, and so that's two from North America and six from Europe, and I think Marcus is actually one of those six from Europe there too, and he already got the invite from Worlds last year, so I do like the, I do like where we are in this season in terms of just points and where everyone's at we don't have too many people qualified for worlds yet which is nice so the picture isn't clear at all and another thing is like asia pacific and latin america have no one qualified and that's likely just due to a lack of them having major events so yeah i mean just looking at the standings uh top eight goes down to 384 points and then 16 goes to 294 for north america at least so um Still lots of ground for people to make up on, and it'll be very cool to see. And, you know, I'm very curious about how many people we will actually get qualifying for Worlds, you know, in total and from each region. Just seeing how our point distribution has been and what where we are, you know, roughly halfway through the season. I, I think something very, very telling is where those invites are coming from right now. Of the eight, like you said, we do have six in uh, Europe and two uh, here in the U.S., and uh, with the European international being the only one that's happened so far, uh, like it's very easy to see why the uh, the six players in Europe are the ones uh, with the larger region of uh, invitees so far. And uh, you notice the two players with the invites in the U.S., me and Ian, were both players that did go to London and did get CP in London. So uh, already having an internet under our belt, I, I honestly don't think that we're going to get too many players at Worlds this year. Um, I think that Europe probably has uh, a decent amount of players that are still going to get their invites. I know there's a bunch within that like 400, 350 range. And uh, they'll probably get like maybe like 30, like 20, 30 more players. And then uh, we'll see how we do. I think uh, our area just really depends on uh, how national shakes down because there's, there's two very clear national situations that always seems to play out every single year. It's Either the rich get richer and the high up CP guys end up winning more and then we don't get a lot of invites or the high up CP guys all end up flopping and we have a new crop come up from underneath and have more players get invites that way. And uh, I, again, I think that we're going to see probably close to like 2015 numbers. So again, like like 40 players would be my estimate. That was my estimate going into the season. I still think that's a pretty accurate estimate, so uh, somewhere on that range would be my guess. Nice, so I guess 
I guess uh, having more players would be better than just having the eight of you play right now if Worlds happens <laughs> tomorrow. How are you feeling, Tommy? I'll happily counter team Incineroar, and then uh, the Germans will probably just all play the same team anyways, so I, I just gotta get I gotta, I gotta get like a, a mole on the inside to give me the, the German scoop, but uh, I, I'm pretty confident with my odds. <laughs> You think you could do it I, if Worlds was today? I, I think I could. If you give me like a good like two hours to counter team, I think I could do it. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the uh, two directions you pointed out for how internationals are. Yeah, so how an internationals could go at the end of the season, right before Worlds, is we have something that happened like last season where at nationals all the top sixteen players who were in championship points pretty much fell off. From the top after that tournament. Yeah, hi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I was one of them too. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, so we could have something like that happen. Or, like you mentioned, we have the top group stay on top and, you know, place well there. Which will obviously, obviously say a lot for uh, the points and keeping that travel award. But, um... You know, it'll be exciting to see once we get to that point, you know, where we, what the standings look like, how much they shake up from where we are right now, um, you know, what the stipend situation is going to look like for the other internationals, uh, just lots of things to uh, still scratch your head about and just be excited about as well on the opposite front. But I suppose, do you guys have any other closing thoughts on, you know, anything we else we've talked about today? Save Tapu Bulu. He deserves better. <laughs> I know that's uh, it's fun to mention uh, that you mentioned Tapu Bulu because Tapu Bulu was part of your international uh, success, and to see it just kind of fall and fall and fall from that tournament really uh, is kind of surprising. But I mean, it makes sense. It's just uh, surprising to see it take such a hard hit. Not only the Tapu Bulu, but the Ducks. I mean, I- I'm hang- I'm hanging on to P2 Muk Tapu Coco. That's what I brought to my PC this weekend, so we're, 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 we're hanging out with the, the, the small amounts that we're able to stick around, but uh, one more thing that I didn't actually notice when we were talking about Tapu Bulu before, as you brought up the, st- uh, the statistics, Tapu Bulu, the top, I think it was like top uh, 15, there was like two Mons in the top 15 that don't hit it super effectively with a stab or, like, a very common coverage move. And literally everything else hits it for, like, super effective damage for at least 90%, and it was like, oh, my child. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the stats right now since I do have them up, and you've basically got Tapu Koko, who's, you know, sometimes busts out Hidden Power Poison. And uh, uh, from there, really, like, you've got Tapu Lele, who, if this terrain's in its favor, its Psychic is going to be doing, like, all of it. I think Shattered and... Psyche also KOs, uh, like, through grassy terrain. <laughs> okay, okay. And then, uh, I guess, you know, Snorlax is probably the most passive Pokemon that's just going to be HP for Tapu Bulu, but it really depends on when it comes in because we are seeing a rise in Cursed Snorlax, and Cursed Recycle Snorlax might be able to outlast Tapu Bulu. Nah, remember we ran Whirlwind, so we're fine. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Tapu Bulu does uh, get Whirlwind. Did you not remember that? That was that was no, I don't remember. That was on my London team. <laughs> it was yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Was that your Trick Room counter? Yes, I only... Well, I had Trick Room myself, but, like, I clicked Curse against Trick Room, 
But yeah, that's what it was on there for. That and if I played against the Eevee stuff. But uh, yeah, I, to, it's safe to say I only clicked Woodhammer and Protect all weekend. Uh, Stone Edge, I clicked twice against Sekium. And then I clicked Whirlwind once against Maquette in top 8. So I clicked three moves and I brought Tapu Bulu to probably about half of my games. So uh, pretty much every other time that I brought Tapu Bulu, I only hit Woodhammer or Protect. And it worked out pretty well. Well, I mean, you either you press protect or you press win. Exactly. Right. <laughs> That's kind of how Tapu Bulu plays. When there's things, that, when there's things that you can whatever. <laughs> I guess back in the day, because Tapu Bulu's fallen. It's yeah. Not winning much anymore. Well, I mean, that you know the like Tapu Bulu is kind of a all-in Pokemon. You know, you just smash them with your wood hammer, one hit KO them. Hopefully, hopefully, because otherwise, you know, they're one of those. Pokemon that's going to be hitting you for super effective, uh, like everything. And um, then you just let the grassy terrain do the work from there. Heal you up, you know, heal up those bruises. And then Tapu Bulu's good to go again to just keep smashing things with its hammerhead. I think that's how Tapu Bulu does it. Eh. He kind of like swirls himself in the air and then just hits you with the side of his head, kind of like a like the hammer. I think he summons a, a hammer from the gods and sees a, you know, a deity. I think he's mm-hmm. all about that life. <laughs> It'd be fun if his uh, Z move ended up using some kind of hammer because uh, I, I, all the Tapu Z moves, while they are like sl- they do the same thing, they are slightly unique in that they form in those uh, different capsulated forms. Uh, I did end up like watching a video of that over the weekend because I was just curious what they all looked like. And Tapu Bulu's is actually pretty funny. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Wait, very very important question. Since you've seen that video, what is Tapu Fini? Uh, have you seen the video too? Yes. Some kind of fish, I don't know. Uh, uh based off that video, we, we've, we've confirmed Marlin. That's what we've, that's what we've, like, agreed on. But, like, okay, okay. otherwise it's a clam. Like, so, that that's what I'm going with right now. It's, it's, it's a Marlin clam. You know, it's just, it looks so much like a clam in the outside form that that's what everyone wants to say it, what it is. But in the closed form, that's what, I guess, it's, like, truly is. I don't know. And, uh... In the closed form, I would not say it's a clam anymore. Is, is there any hope for the dolphin camp? No. No, it's, <laughs> no dolphin. No, it's, no, it's some, no. It's some, maybe, yeah, like you said, a marlin swordfish kind of thing. Although, I was actually kind of confused on Tapu Lele. Is it a snail? <laughs> I, I think it just lives in a pot. No, that's okay, yeah, it does kind of look that way, like the way it's poking its head out. But, uh, like... Like one of those things that slugs that have a shell on its back? That's what I was thinking, because it, like... The hair that it has hanging down kind of goes up and turns into antenna. And it just, it makes me think it looks like a snail. Or otherwise some kind of bird. Or I really don't know what Tapu Lele's closed form is. Tapu Bulu's, though, is a uh, bull. And then Tapu Coco's, we've seen quite obviously, because they had it in the trailer earlier. And uh, it's pretty easy to tell just by looking at it that it's like a bird head. Um, but... Tapu Lele's Tapu Finis are, they kind of lose me on it. I'm not exactly quite sure what to say that I think they are. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but I guess we'll, fi- I guess we'll figure out what the rest of the Guardians look like another day. Just remember to, someone saves Tapu Bulu. He needs to come back, join the, re- join his friends. But, uh, I think that will do it for this show. Thank you to Tommy for being on our show. We really appreciate it. No problem. You guys can find the Hypervoice on iTunes. You can leave us a review there. We have an email, vgchypervoice at gmail.com. You can 
send us a question or some feedback through the email there. Uh, contact us, however other means you, you'd like to. Um, so tweet at us. We'll also likely now be posting the episodes on trainertower.com. So where the forums are located, we haven't, we don't have a specific location yet, but, uh, in future episodes, we'll, uh, be posting them on the forums there so you can find, find us there when those, when, uh, the episodes are released. And lastly, we are all on Twitter. You can follow all of us. Tommy, where can people find you? They can find me at TMNVGC. And Alex, what about you? At LexiconVGC. And where do we follow you, Steven? I am at Super Morioka. We hope you guys enjoyed the Hyper Voice. We hope you guys uh, stay tuned for more of it. And we'll see you guys next time.